Hey, patrons, this is uh, Scoots, and this is uh, this uh, episode normally comes out to to $5 patrons. And this is just part of our uh, drive. Uh, and and this, here's the thing. You don't have to feel uncomfortable. But you already support the show. And if you support the show at a position you're comfortable with uh, and, and that uh, fits your budget, that's awesome. And this is nothing about guilt or anything. But I, I'm pretty confident whether even if you don't support the show and you're listening to this, that you get somewhere between five and a thousand dollars of value every month out of sleep with me. Right. And of course, nobody's in that higher end position uh, unless you're listening, Gates. Uh, but uh, if so, it'd be more than a thousand for you. But it, uh, anyway, uh, where was I? Uh, uh, but, you know, if you if you're in a place where you feel like you could support the show five dollars, ten dollars or twenty dollars a month comfortably. Or by uncomfortably saying, well, I'll eat one less uh, lunch out or well, order pizza, I'll make pizza at home. Uh, it would be a huge help to the show. Uh, and, but only something to say, well, I could do that over the next 12 months or the next eight months or whatever. So just think about it. Uh, uh, it'll help keep the show going. And it's, a, you know, just a value for value thing. And I'm asking now, really, <laughs> it's a circle back because I was too afraid to ask when I started the show. Well, I guess I didn't know better, uh, you know, and I only asked for a dollar and uh, I realized that, well, uh, uh, to keep the show going and sustainable, uh, I don't, I don't know, you, you know what I mean? But like, so it's not easy for me to ask this and, 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 and to do it. Uh, but it, it is a thing, if you're in a position to do so and you feel like you get five, ten, twenty dollars or more, you say, well, I get a thousand dollars of value scoots, but I can afford 10 bucks. You know, I will give up two more cups of coffee. I was doing five. I'll do ten. That's huge help. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, Hey, everybody. So tonight's a little bit – it's not a different episode. It's a a, a format we've done before, uh, but with someone new. And this episode is going to be a little bit interesting, and and hopefully I can time it with a crossover uh, uh, with with something else that's uh, cooking in the pot. Uh, but, you know, someone, you, ideally, you've listened to this podcast and you're subscribed to 99% Invisible. And I just wanted to take a second to talk about Roman Mars. Uh, and actually, I just read the bio right from his site, uh, who's the host of a 99% Invisible uh, radio show, a short radio show, and a, a podcast, and a worldwide phenomenon. So I already went off track there with the bio, uh, with over 300 million downloads, uh, 99% invisible podcast. Oh, whoops, I already went off. Just <laughs> Sorry, Roman. It's a short radio show about design and architecture, also a podcast with over 300 million downloads. One of the most popular podcasts in the world, in not just in numbers, but in people's hearts. Uh, Fast Company named him one of the most uh, creative people in 2013. He was on uh, the TED main stage in 2015. Uh, so you can check out both, uh, both those out. I'll link to those. It's currently the most popular TED Talk about design. Five million views, over five million views at this point. Uh, his crowdfunding campaigns have raised over $4 million, and he's the highest funded journalist in Kickstarter history. He's also a co-founder of Radiotopia, a collective of groundbreaking independent podcasts. And I guess he's a shining example uh, how, how to do something of incredibly high-quality podcast, but also of how to – he just sets a wonderful example. And there's a lot of stuff that people don't see in, in of raising other people's voices – of uh, really uh, wor- working with people that are going to be making radio and podcasts uh, for the next uh, four or five decades. Uh, and just, just someone I, re- I really look up to, I really respect, uh, and I, I don't want to po- heap on the praise because it's, it's a, you know, this is like a double awkward vulnerability. But I, I, did, I do tend to fan it. Sorry, sorry this, goes, this goes off the rails really fast, but I, I do tend to fantasize every once in a while about pitching Roman Mars. And, uh, like, uh, I, I don't know, every once in a while I'll say, huh, how come they, have they done 99 PI, 99 PI about that? And most of the time it's like, oh, they have, I just missed that somehow. Oh, first of all, if you haven't checked out 99% Invisible, it, it's uh, ostensibly a show about design and architecture. 
but really, it, it's a, it's a bit about everything. Uh, so so do yourself a huge huge favor. Listen to the, that during the day. And what kind of triggered me recording this episode was Roman and I were having a conversation because his voice sometimes like uh, pe- people repurpose it because it's buttery. I would say his voice is like a melodious butter. Also, I'm going to patent that too. Maybe we should do that. Maybe, I mean, maybe we could go into business together with that. Uh, is like, uh, you know, they have greeting cards with melody in there. Or here's a, hey, here's a butter company. If you're looking for rebrand, Melody Butter, uh, like a song in your, you know, like a song in your mouth. We'll, we'll work on the, the subtitle. But we could also, we could sell that and Melodious Butter, the butter that comes with a melody. And it could be like a, we could do a different ones. Like, hey, just one pad only, Bob. You know, watch your butter and, you know, whatever. Anyway, just an idea. So I went off topic because we were having a conversation about how people have repurposed audio to fall asleep, uh, like 99PI, because of Roman's voice and it's just a, his calming presence. And I really think it's more than that. It's like this deep uh, uh, curiosity uh, that resonates with people and this, that, that, that there's these wonderful things in the world worth exploring. Like, huh, why did they make this choice or how did that end up this way? So it's, uh, I don't think you could put human condition in there, but I mean, really, it talks, uh, well, just listen and subscribe. But so we're, we're having a conversation about that. And I've always thought about ideas I I would pitch uh, Roman on, like I said. Uh, But then my critic gets in the way and I said, well, I don't know, Drew. uh, and recently, like, actually, before we had this conversation, I was thinking of this one subject, and I was like, I, I said, well, they haven't done a 99PI about this subject. And I don't know if anybody has this happen to them, where you think of an idea, it, it, this is always a balance of str- you, that you need to strike sometimes. You have an idea, and at first you say, oh, boy, this is this is rock solid, uh, I mean, it felt like a kid in the newsroom. I said, this story is going to, maybe a person with a cigar. Uh, and I said, this is a great idea. Then my critic, like two hours later, said, huh. He said, well, I wonder why they haven't done a story about this. Uh, and my critic says, said, because it's boring. And I said, really? And uh, so the idea was uh, like a carbon, sparkling water, seltzer water. So I thought maybe I could get through, my, like, because then I said, well, I'll never, I'm never going to get past my critic to Roman. Like, it's like, a, it's like, a, what do they call those? A door, a door person, like, uh, preventing me. And I said, well, maybe, and maybe the my critic's right. Maybe I should say yes. So I said, before we can pitch Roman, let's pitch my critic and, uh, like, carbonated water. So let's do a tiny bit of research. And by tiny bit, I mean going to Wikipedia. And let's just see what's on there. It's a fizzy water. Carbon dioxide gas under pressure has been dissolved in there, either by technology or by natural geologic source. And many kinds of water are carbonated. Mineral water, club soda, sparkling water, also called seltzer water in the U.S., uh, tonic water, and soda water. Typically, they can contain dissolved minerals such as potassium, bicarbonate, sodium bicarbonate, or potassium sulfide, which are meant to enhance its flavor. Though sparkling water is just carbon dioxide with nothing else. Uh, Tonic water contains whatever, I can't say that word, quinine or whatever. That gives it uh, that little bitter taste. And carbonation is what makes the water effervescent. Now, here's where we get into the history. The first person to aerate water with carbon dioxide, according to Wikipedia, was William Brownrigg in 1740, though he never published a paper on it. It was also independently and accidentally invented by Joseph Priestley in 1767. The great-great-grandfather, Jason Priestley, but my imagination just said, I wonder what would carbonate, maybe they'll talk, okay, he discovered a method of infusing water with carbon dioxide. After suspending a bowl of water above a beer vat at a brewery in England, 
he wrote of the peculiar satisfaction he found when drinking that, uh, drinking it. I can agree with that. And he published, this is, you can't, you can't make this up. 1772, a paper impregnating water with fixed air. Uh, later, he, he was uh, like, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I can only imagine if I wrote his uh, fictional autobiography. Priestley's apparatus, played by Jason Priestley, by the way, in the movie version. Uh, Priestley's apparatus, which featured a bladder between the generator and the absorption tank to regulate the flow of carbon dioxide, you know, was soon copied. And it wasn't until 1781 that it began to be mass-produced. Uh, by a company specializing in it. Uh, the first factory was built by Thomas Henry in Manchester, England. And is, uh, Priestley's regarded as the father of the soft drink, which uh, maybe may he may live in infamy, not just for impregnating water. Uh, he did, uh, however, receive uh, uh, science. He didn't make any money, of course, off of it. That never happens. Uh, he did get some re- recognition, though. Uh, in 1772, uh, the Council of the Royal Society uh, rewarded him with the Copley Medal. So let's see if there's any other history here. There's, uh, yeah, I don't know. This may not, uh, like, uh, so, so that was one of the things I thought about. And, and, and I was like, okay, that doesn't exactly help our case yet. Because uh, I was thinking, I mean, at least there's some interesting is, is, is there, but I said, okay, now for 90, and, and it's like, uh, like we need a, we need a little bit more juice for the story or maybe that it's, uh, nested in some other issue. And, and there is the whole idea of the soda taxes and all the companies getting into the sparkling water business, but I had been thinking about seltzer water. And when I think about seltzer water, for some reason, at first I picture my dad just, and I think he didn't drink seltzer water, but I think of the generation, I think like that of my parents' generation as being the seltzer generation. And at first you might find that strange and probably with good reason, but I would say my generation is probably the soda generation. And ideally after us, it'll be, I don't know, will it be the bubbly, hopefully it'll be a bubbly generation, like a positive empowered bubbly yeah, but also for, you know, drinking bubbly water. Or maybe it'd just be, uh, I don't know, maybe at some point in two or three generations, people will start just absorbing water from the air. I don't know, like, where we're at in the evolutionary timeline. Uh, but my mind immediately went to seltzer uh, water, and particularly seltzer bottles. Uh, because when I was a kid, I watched a lot of Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, and in and in uh, other c- c- comedy like that, even though it was uh, like uh, repeats or whatever, and I'd say like forty five percent of the gags on those show, the physical gags, involved a seltzer bottle, which was a big glass bottle that contained carbonated water, and you could shake it up, and then you, it was like a it was like a cool, uh, high powered, you know, bubble powered carbon dioxide. Uh, driven uh, squirt gun for adults. And what would inev- inevitably happen in a good way was that there would usually be a, like a Monopoly Man type character in a tuxedo, just like the Monopoly Man is, uh, making, you know, some sort of hubbub about something. And a lot of times what the Stooges would probably be working there as caterers, uh, like, and in, in they're supposed to, I don't know. They were probably supposed to be working as caterers for some other scheme that Mo had. And what would happen is, like, usually Larry would would get his fingers caught in a lobster or crab claw, and then uh, Mo and Curly would have some sort of disagreement right at the height of maybe this was a Monopoly man running for office. Uh, he said, I may, "I've made all this money." Uh, and uh, it really, it really means I know what I'm doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what would happen is Mo would actually go to get Curly with the water, and Curly would dive out of the way, and Mo would spray the politician with the seltzer, who would make one of those sounds that uh, they. So you should watch this. This stuff's all available, I think, uh, to stream somewhere. 
And then the person would say, like, they'd make a, like, a blubbering sound after they were sprayed. And then they would call, they'd say, remove them from my presence. Uh, and also other things that would happen would be, like, uh, then the, the the lobster would be on Moe's nose eventually. Uh, curl, then they'd have more, also, also other seltzer bottles. And it would kind of go from there. And what's my point? Uh, I don't know. I just went off and uh, went on. So I, I, will be, I was thinking about these seltzer bottles. And I said, okay, critic, uh, well, if you won't let me get to Roman with seltzer, what about the story of the seltzer bottle? And, the, and the, my critic said, it's soda siphon, by the way. And I said, oh, look at this very light Wikipedia article. Uh, a soda siphon or seltzer bottle is a device for dispensing carbonated or soda water. Uh, introduced as early as 1790, according to Wikipedia, in France, it's self-pressurized carbonated beverages. In uh, 1829, two Frenchmen patented a hollow corkscrew that could be inserted into a soda bottle and by use of a valve allow a portion of the contents to be dispensed while maintaining pressure on the inside of the bottle. Uh, they were popular in the 20s and 30s, which would say before my dad's generation. Uh, a lot of it, uh, oh, great job. WW2 actually was what led to the decline of the popularity, uh, though the bottles are still used. Uh, commercial in production, uh, commercial production and delivery of pre-filled seltzer uh, continued in Southern California and in the East uh, up until 2009. Uh, and such delivery continues in Argentina, Vienna, Austria, and Toronto, Canada. Uh, for making single-use sealed bottles, well, we don't. I think one of the things I always thought of was that they weren't single-use. They were, they never seemed like they were single-use. That they were recycled, just like recyclable milk uh, when they came in glass. Yeah, commercially refillable bottles at a seltzer plant, uh, and that's really all the uh, Wikipedia article has. So that doesn't really do us any good. So then I was like, okay, well, not, like my critic's never going to let me get this stuff out. How am I going to get past it? And then I said, okay, let's do some val. I said, well, you really, you really got a great point. Uh, I don't know if there is a story here with the seltzer and the, the soda bottles. And I said, well, where's my attention go? Naturally, is back to the Three Stooges. I don't know if the Three Stooges and Larry, uh, Laurel and Hardy ever did any crossovers. They're slightly, they're uh, fairly similar, uh, but a little bit slightly different. And I think maybe uh, generationally there was a, maybe a decade or two between them. But I'm, again, it's just based on assumptions. Sorry, Larry, Moe, Curly. I think Larry, Sue, Shemp, uh, Laurel and Hardy for making asses out of you and me. Uh, but another thing that inevitably happens in these movies, especially in these uh, scenes where the, uh, the three, is there a, here's another question, an impossible another business is uh, Three Stooges Catering. Uh, is there, a, there must be a catering company called Three Stooges Catering. Uh, but when they're involved in waitering or catering, uh, they like then there'll be a banana cream pie fluff, a, a fight with banana cream pies, and a banana cream pie. It just just to to, to get touch base is used. It was a big comedy thing, and it, since it's been kind of repurposed with shaving cream, as both kind of a, a funny thing and also a way to kind of express displeasure in a more a stronger way. Uh, but a banana cream pie was a pie that you would put in other people's faces, or and they were very good at being thrown by the Stooges in like in these situations. Because then, usually, like with the Monopoly person who was giving the speech, uh, uh, we'll say I don't know whose their name was. Uh, just think of a familiar name up there, saying I've made my money. Like I know what I'm doing. There would usually be a small class struggle, and the, the pie, usually the pie thing would help, uh, I don't know, just help uh, play out the conflict. 
Oh, but I was trying to actually explain what a banana cream pie was. So, so a pie, you know what a pie tin is, right? And then there's a crust. I don't think it always had a crust, but I think in the Stooges it did. And it would make sense that it would have a crust because it, I think with its propulsion and its balance and its delivery, it gives it a little bit more mass and it holds the banana cream together. But usually then it would be a layer of banana cream, which my understanding is very much like pudding or like a set custard and then covered in a layer of whipped cream. And uh, so if you've never seen, I'm sure if you search YouTube for banana, well, no, never mind. Don't do that, actually, because <laughs> I don't know what will come up. Uh, but there's a great article, actually, over at the New York Times uh, that I'll just try to barely paraphrase and quote from uh, by Dan Barry, uh, July 8th, 2015, uh, Comedy Sweet Weapon, The Cream Pie. And it talks about uh, the history of uh, film comedy and uh, sweet pies and uh, uh, The Great Race, a 65 movie with Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon, uh, The Battle of the Century, uh, 1927 Laurel and Hardy shorts, 3,000 pies thrown with slow burn precision. And Leonard Malton once said, it's a holy grail, it's a holy grail of comedy. Uh, talking about comedic shorts, uh, because uh, for several decades, uh, quoting from the article, the 20-minute two-reel classic has been missing its second reel. Oh, the two-reel classic uh, being the second half of the Laurel and Hardy short. And, uh, oh, this is really interesting, actually. Uh, so the second half of the movie has been missing. And, John, uh, so okay, so I don't want to ruin this article. This is a, like... Uh, I guess, like, so this could be interesting. So they could be there. But then my critic's saying, well, it's like, uh, it's Dan Barry's business, Scoots, not yours. So then I said to myself, I said, well, let's go, let's go to beautiful downtown Oakland, California. And let's, uh, let's walk around Oakland and try to, try to get an idea of what we would do. Because uh, maybe there's not a, uh, uh, so, well, maybe I could pitch a fiction. What if there was a, a 99 PI, the almost fa nearly, fa nearly factual, uh, barely 99% fictional, 99% invisible. I don't know. I guess I'd have to think of the, uh, but so I got on a bus, a 51A, the sweetest of the sweet for me, buses. And now a lot of people don't, I don't think anyone knows this except for my daughter, uh, but I have uh, made a, uh, a challenge coin belt. Uh, and I was, I was uh, too scared to bring this up with Roman because of my basic design. Uh, and also he said, call me Mr. Mars, please. And I said, what about, how do you feel about Mars bars? And he said, well, which brand? And I said, no, no, like, how do you feel about me calling you Mars bars? And, uh, it was, so it was a brief, it was a brief conversation we had after, after that, it was Kurtz, I would say. Uh, but it, so I didn't get a chance to show him my, uh, challenge coin belts. And also, I guess I'm still a little bit feeling like, uh, you know, cause it only gets to show off one side of the challenge coin. Uh, but it's a great, it makes for a great belt buckle. And uh, but it's not exactly a high design, though. So that's another reason I said, let me keep it to myself, because I don't want Roman to say, how would you make that? And I'd say, well, with magic, uh, how else? Uh, uh, so, but I did put on my belt. I said, okay, I have the belt. So I have the spirit of 99% invisible and uh, radiotopia behind me at my waist. Uh, you know, I said, okay, that feels good. I, I'm not a superhero. But that'll help me. It'll give me, like, something to focus my extra energy on. And so I took the bus to a place uh, right at, uh, the, like, uh, like, down Broadway in Oakland uh, to, I think it's, like, where the 16th Street BART station is or the 19th Street BART station. And this was a fateful intersection for the podcast. And... Another thing with design. So I said, let me start there. I'll start walking around and talking to my belt like it's Roman Mars, and we'll figure out a pitch uh, to, for the show. 
And I said, uh, and I could call my belt Mars bars. So we got there. And on, on the corner of that intersection is uh, the old Sears building. And I don't know the history of it before. I think I have talked about it on the podcast. And I've always found Sears in these urban centers. So, so this was a Sears department store. And it stayed open in, in downtown Oakland, uh, like up until probably like four or five years ago when it was purchased uh, to be converted into offices. And I don't think that worked out, and they're maybe converting it to offices or uh, work, live spaces now. But when I lived in the Bronx, too, there was a right in the middle of the Bronx, right near where I was studied, was a Sears as well. And so I have a soft spot for these Sears that I say, wow, they really, uh, it's, it's nice to have a department store. And, and it was an institution. It was there always. It wasn't there when things got hot and popular. It was there for people to go shop uh, and say, well, I, you know, I, I got to go to a wedding or whatever, or, you know, I need to do some shopping uh, for the holidays or, you know, things you'd buy at Sears. That's another podcast. Uh, but I can remember, so the whole idea of these urban seers has always appealed to me. And I can remember standing there in the holiday season, either before I started the podcast or right after it, and thinking about the seers and just feeling a connection to it in some way uh, because of its connection to its past, because of its uniqueness. And this was a really beautiful building as well. And I don't know, I just liked it. I said, you know what, I like the cut of your jib, Sears. Thanks for being here in, in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. And in the Bronx, you know, we're, we're back on Fordham Road. So, and I think right around that time, not that long after, it was when I um, uh, was, uh, I said, are you still listening to me? I looked down at my belt and I said, I think my belt is still listening and I said, well, then I also found this blog or this Tumblr uh, that was about uh, J.C. Penney's that uh, in the, that it uh, it's declined. It was just pictures from J.C. Sad J.C. Penney or something it was called. It will be pictures from J.C. Penney stores that weren't looking so great. And those two things were really the genesis uh, for one of our longer running uh, series, uh, Get Bassos. Uh, Nothing to do with, like, with the character. It was three fictional characters, uh, J.C. Penny, James Cash Penny, Richard Warren Sears, and another character, Jif. Uh, and so I've always had a great uh, affection for that Sears. So that's why I wanted to start walking with you, Belt, here. You know, I was thinking about uh, uh, talking to you. I know you, you specialize in... in uh, uh, like uh, topics uh, where that are well researched and kind of uh, finding a way. I think the story is one thing. Uh, there's a great episode of How Sound, uh, but that uh, that there's a that's another podcast for people to check out. In nesting stories within one another. And I, you know, I'd love like, like, uh, but, but you know, I, I was just uh, like thinking of, uh, the, you know, facts. I, I try to, I try to stay aware of facts and things, but I wanted to ask you, like, how do you feel about, uh, um, uh, Tim Curry and Rick Moranis? And that's when there was silence for my belt. And you might ask, well, how, how do you know your belt was being silent? I said, well, because it wasn't sighing at every other thing I said. Or, like, it's strange, when a belt rolls its eyes, it makes a noise. I mean, mostly because my shirt was over it. So, you know, its, it's body language has to it be audible so that I know when it's, uh, when it's doing these things. It helps get, keep, my, keep me focused. And I knew I had, and I said, well, I, here's the thing. I said, well, let me take a, what if I take a you and I pitch, I don't just pitch Roman Mars. I pitch Tim Curry and uh, Rick Moranis on an idea, and my belt was still quiet. So I started walking uh, down towards Lake Merritt, and I said, okay, I'll do a couple of loops of Lake Merritt's, uh, the Jewel of Oakland. And I started walking around the shores of Lake Merritt on, on a nice path there, a beautiful day, a lot of friendly smiles and waves, uh, people jogging, people biking, people walking, people talking. 
And it's just surrounded by this beautiful string of lights, and it's worth it. Uh, even if you're visiting, if you're visiting San Francisco, come to Oakland already. Go look at the old Sears building for one second that Scooter mentioned, and uh, then go on. And then, uh, so my belt said, "Okay, go on. Tell me more. Tell me more about this idea you have." I said, "So I'm thinking of seltzer bottles, right? And uh, seltzer water." And the history of seltzer, which could be contained at the beginning of this podcast and not really get any, you know, foothold. But I think there's something more there, at least for me. And then I started actually picturing Rick Moranis propelling. This was probably not the tone of the comedy I was thinking of. But when you get Rick Moranis in your brain, you know, things happen. And I was picturing Rick Moranis with two seltzer bottles, a super high. This maybe was more Wayne Zielinski, a character played by Rick Moranis. But with two seltzer bottles at each hip uh, and then launch, you know, launching himself into the air. And I heard my belt like make a like a non-negative shoulder shrug. And I said, OK, OK, Mars Bars, we might be on to something here. Um. I said, I don't think that's a plot. I said, that was just a gimmick. But I think that would be the thing is, uh, what if we find a way uh, for Rick Moranis and Tim Curry? There's two ways we could go with it, okay? It could be competitive. They both own, because the only places, the best places to start a bespoke seltzer business I'd say it would be Oakland or Brooklyn, maybe Portland, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, but I said, you, you know, you could, uh, Oakland would be a good testing ground for, you know, if you, it was just side gig. And it could be bicycle delivered, seltzer, re, you know, deposit bottles, recyclable. You could build a whole story into it. You could flavor it not with natural essences in quotes, uh, uh, you know, generally known to be uh, barely, you know, you know how they do that. Uh, it could be with real essences. It could even be a storefront. No, okay, now we're on to something. I didn't even think about this because uh, I don't know how I feel about Rick Moranis and Tim Curry uh, competing with one another, except that maybe that would make it good reason like Rick Moranis it's, uh, this would be more of a used car salesman lot move but that for promotion. So we could go back to that. We, we, we don't have to figure out the whole story right now. And right then I was passing Children's Fairyland of Oakland, which is a small uh, amusement, I don't know if amusement park, a fa- fairy tale land uh, for children. And I headed down around... Uh, the fence for Children's Fairyland, there's a bandstand down there and a small beach and a fountain. And it was it's one of those beautiful old bandstands. I don't know if it's made from uh, concrete or stone. Uh, you see, and sometimes you just go there and there's a band playing on the weekends, like a big band or a smaller big band. And I stopped at the water... And I was, you know, trying because I was trying to think of the next idea for the seltzer water when I got down there. They said, okay, bike delivery, that would probably work too. It would be tough in Oakland, like uh, if somebody was in the hills or depending on stuff, but we could figure that out and we could partner. There's no reason to say it's a it's 100% Luddite. It could be 90, it couldn't be 99% Luddite. Uh, but we could say, you know, delivered in this region by bicycle. Uh, here's another. Tim Curry just called in with this idea, actually, to my brain. Delivered by bicycle or natural gas. Thank you, Tim. So maybe, I guess the idea would be that Tim, I guess we'd have to do, we'd have to do a callback and say, what would uh, Laurel, Hardy, Mel, Shemp, uh, Oh, there's no Mel in those movies. Okay, Mo, Shemp, uh, Curly, Curly, Sue, and Larry do. And I guess we'd have to put it uh, like uh, regular working wage earners versus, uh, the, the, you know, the bigwigs, the investments. Uh, so I think they could be renting a store. I, I would love to put it at the Grand Lake Theater, one of the beautiful 
movie palaces in Oakland, which is lucky enough to have a few different movie palaces. Uh, the Paramount Theater and then the Fox Theater, which are both uh, more performance spaces now, but uh, you can still see movies uh, at the uh, Paramount. And I've seen Welcome to Night Vale at the Fox Theater. Uh, but so we, if we could get a store there in a window, Rick Moranis, and maybe Mars, maybe we could have Roman Mars be an intern or uh, their next door neighbor. So we get you in the movie. But so they have a store, a store there. Or maybe, no, no, I, I got a better idea. Uh, like you're the behind the scenes uh, creator of the essences. You've uh, taken your knowledge of uh, plants and chemistry. Yeah, but in an organic way and through experimentation, you know, purely above board, uh, maybe some distillation and evaporation. I don't know what techniques you would use, but you're the, the uh, we'll f- figure out a thing to call it. But the uh, for now, this is a made up name, Essence Scientist. Oh, no, Doctor of Essence. Uh, and you have a lab coat, of course, of course, of course, uh, I've never seen a belt in a lab coat, but once we get this to to to, to, to Doctor Mars, uh, the di- Doctor Vessence, or and it could say Doctor Mars on the name tag. But so you would be working in the back, and uh, Rick and Tim would be partners there, and they would be running this uh, seltzer business. And I think we could also put it as like a. As we, as a society, also have to be open to the diversity of ages and the ability for people to reinvent themselves at different ages is like a, a tribute to rediscovering that, that uh, you can also reinvent yourself uh, wherever you are. Is that maybe their backstory that doesn't go in the movie? Is that this is like uh, they say, well, we don't, you know, we don't want to retire. We're, we love seltzer. Uh, you're right. There maybe there should be some. I don't. I don't like inciting incidents, but in this case, it would be. It doesn't even have to be in the the story. Oh, is this a podcast episode? I'm sorry. I didn't. Know, I didn't know you could speak belt. Uh, uh, but uh, it. I don't know. It's become a bit of a a dream. Dr- a dreamy story. Um. So, Tim Curry, Rick Moranis. They have the seltzer business. It gets it gets a little bit better, and then we'll get. And not only that, uh, I think on the weekends uh, they work something out with uh, the city of Oakland because they have the Grand uh, uh, Grand Lake Farmers Market on the weekends. I think it's on Saturdays there. And what they do is, uh, even when they deliver the seltzer, the, every bottle of seltzer when it's delivered comes with a banana cream pie. So I guess it's not exactly uh, for everybody to be subscribing to this service. But they've also integrated themselves in all of the local restaurants and stuff. And, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, even if it was like Rick Moranis and Tim Curry playing Rick Moranis and Tim Curry, I don't know. Maybe we do we do something different. Maybe they're both uh, famous um like I don't know, part part of the most famous like Pavarotti. What was that? They they were the two tenors before earlier in life, or they were the three tenors with like uh, Steve Martin. Let's just say if Steve Martin would be interested in this, uh, which is probably probably not likely. But uh, I, I don't have a piece of clothing uh, named. I guess maybe if I had a ja- if I had a jacket, I would name it the Martin. But so. Where was I? So another part of their business is that each delivery, or maybe something, or your first delivery comes with a banana cream pie. But then on Saturdays, or maybe one Saturday a year, you can uh, come and they'll block off the street in front of the store, and maybe you pay a, a nominal fee, and you can get in a, there's like a, uh, some, you know, they've done all the, they know this is, uh, you could eat, all you could eat banana cream pie, maybe not. 
but maybe like okay, I got it. Each uh, once uh once a month during the one of the um farmers markets, you get to throw uh banana cream pies at a politician, and all the money go. You buy a pie for five dollars, and it's sure it's a light pie. It you know you know totally hypoallergenic, all that. And each pie, you know, then all the money goes to charity. And it goes to 50-50, like 50% to local Oakland-based charities, another 50% to national causes. Or and maybe like or maybe 50% and maybe 20% goes, 10% goes to like a Three Stooges Foundation and 10% goes to a Laurel and Hardy one. I don't know about that part. Or maybe like a film preservation and maybe at some point, maybe this becomes a Goonies-like adventure. I don't know. This just took a turn on me. Uh, but what if that missing reel of tape is also a quest? Would that that be, say, okay, save it for the sequel. Hardy har har. What does that hardy har har mean? Okay, so let's get back. So they have the store. They're a beloved fixture in the community. They have a beloved seltzer that's getting delivered door to door. Uh, and of course they say, well, it's not that they're anti-business. They say, Hey, this is pretty nice. We just prefer doing it this way. Small scale, hand batched, you know, sure. They're the butt of jokes and maybe they, maybe that's it. Steve Martin opens up one in Brooklyn. Is there, their East, East coast operation? Uh, or something we got, we could go with ideas for, for, you know, film the fill parts of the movie. But so, and then also you get to spray the politician. Like after the politician gets pied, it, then you get to spray them off with seltzer. Like maybe someone wins that award or the MC, or that's like 300 bucks. Also, politician doesn't get any money. They just get free promotion, which uh, is good. And then if they don't want to do it, they could use local podcasters. Not anyone that works in Oakland, though. People that like from Alameda, like Scoots. Actually, people could just throw pies at me if it's for charity whenever they want. I mean, not when it's a surprise. And then that's another aspect of their business that they start to come up with because they say, well, we need another revenue source. So what about surprise pies and seltzer with permission, like an opt-in? And mostly they do this at like the professional sports games, like the Warriors games. Uh, where a Warriors player can do this for another one. And then at the interview, they get pied, which happens a lot at the Oakland A's games. And maybe they get seltzer too to clean off the pie. And you say, well, that tastes pretty good. It's a little bit strange, carbonated banana cream pie in my mouth, but it's not bad, and it makes it makes it easier to see. So that would be, you know, the good part of the movie. Like, uh, maybe they have some ups and downs. Yeah, like they say, well, we're raising your rent. So then they come up with this idea of doing these things. I think my belt is asleep, too. But at some point, of course, we introduce the idea. Okay, I just, okay, my brain is going a little bit faster than even we need to. I think Rick Moranis is shooting through my brain. But so... So at some point, because Oakland is such a great demographic to serve, uh, so rich uh, like in cultural heritage and diversity, that, uh, that a, big, a big bottle company comes and they say, well, we're going to start our own uh, delivery service. Maybe there's like a seltzer, you know, people are like, uh, seltzers are even more popular than this now. And they try to buy out, maybe, yeah, I guess this would be, we'll, we'll, we'll go through this rather a little bit faster, but uh, they, first they make an offer and to Curry, you know, Curry Mars, and it could be like, a, they could say that at the door. What would we say? Uh, uh, Curry Moranis and Mars. Maybe it'd be, maybe we could get Steph Curry just as like, a, like we don't need to do Space Jam. But that'd be pretty good. Curry, Curry, Moranis, and Mars. Moranis, Mars, and Curry. My belt doesn't. Mars, Moranis, and Curry. Okay, I got you. My belt wanted that first. Mars, Curry, Curry, Moranis. Yeah, we could we could talk it out. And they make an offer on the business that they don't sell. 
they say, no, 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 this isn't, we didn't get into the seltzer business for money. We got in the business for the love of banana cream pies and making natural essences, wearing lab coats. And also, you know, Rick dreams of uh, launching, you know, creating a propulsion system as, you know, pretending to be Wayne Zielinski on Halloween. Really, it's just a string. That could be another thing. Okay, this could be, that could be it. That could be the strange turning point. So they go back and forth with the business. This is straight out of the, I think this movie might have come out in the 1980s anyway. And they say, well, we're going to buy it. the Monopoly Man from the uh, Three Stooges movies. Only in the Three Three Stooges movies. Never heard of anyone like that. But uh, he's making offers, uh, trying to get them to sell. They won't sell. So then what happens is, uh, is they're going to have a big Curry Curry Moranis and Mars. or Mar- You know, they're going to have a big, a big fundraiser for Halloween. And Rick, they do a, they put a crane up, a hidden on the roof of uh, the uh, Grand Lake Theater, and Rick pretends to be shooting, shooting off like with seltzer rockets, but really it's just a, a trick, an illusion. Uh, but the crane accidentally cracks the roof of the the, uh, the theater, and. I guess maybe there was a scene where Tim and uh, Roman were like, "Rick, don't do this. It's too it's too spect- spectacular, pretending like uh, because maybe Rick's the one feeling the pressure. Like we have to do something big in order to uh, counteract the PR campaign from uh, Big Water, and so the theater's damaged and." They say, okay, I guess maybe this is, is this, was this the plot to break in, uh, uh, break into electric boogaloo? So maybe this is an accidental, uh, reinvention of that. But what happens is the theater gets damaged and the theater turns out didn't have the insurance or because of the preservation, they say, well, we can't afford to fix the theater. We got to fix the roof before the rain comes. Also, they say, Rick, you got to pay the bill because you didn't have a permit to be fake uh, seltzer launching into space. And that would be good because then we could find an emotional thing where Rick was, and we could do a scene with Rick walking around Lake Moran, Lake Moranis, uh, Lake Merritt. Uh, but so big, big water comes in and they're going to fix everything. They're going to fix the theater. They're going to buy the theater. And they somehow. You know, they make a deal. They say, okay, well, we'll, you know, if you give us your business, we'll fix the theater and maybe something else uh, that they need. I don't know what else they could buy. I don't know what else uh, Roman Mars, uh, Rick Moranis, and Tim McCurry could possibly need. Uh, But if we fictionalize it, we could come up with one more layer. It's, you know, some emotional layer. And so then they say, okay, well... I guess this isn't fully formed, but they say, no, no. And maybe it even splits the three of them up. Like, yeah, I think that's probably good. And that they each are 33% stake. And maybe Rick's like so down that he says, I don't, you know, I just want to fix this. And I don't know who would be uh, like uh, the one that would say, okay, let's just sell. And it's a 66-33% uh, split. So they say uh, they're going back and forth. Should we give up? Uh, should we give this over to Big Water? Especially T- Tim and Rick are like, yeah, we're just we're just trying to like enjoy the, the, this, this season of our lives. Uh, and uh, so something happens. And... Then what always works in this movie, especially with your tradition we're trying to call back to, I guess it could be we could just shoehorn the sequel right in there. Rick comes back with the second reel of the movie. Everything's fixed. No, that's not good enough. Okay, my belt said that's not good enough. Okay, so actually what they could do is... uh, they could have the giant fundraiser. That's what the that's the other thing. And they could get celebrity. Like they go, it goes viral. And maybe they no. How about this? They say if this could be this. I don't think I've seen Space Jam. But what if there's like a Steph Curry was in it? Let's back it up. Uh, 
and they say, okay, uh, this is the board of directors of our company. We can add one other player and we'll play each other in basketball for, for this whole thing. The theater, the seltzer business, the essences, the doctor, the doctor Mars, uh, uh, the scientist jacket or lab coat. I'll even throw in my belt. Oh no, my belt doesn't want to be thrown in. Okay. So well, there's a, a basketball game it has to be the board of directors or the owners. And they say, okay, yeah, we'll just bring our board of directors. Right. And so they, but then they show up for the basketball game with all of the, you know, the, the players, the warriors have, uh, I guess this, is, this probably would only work as like uh, one, maybe we could do this like each market, the movie changes. We film this like scene a thousand times. But, you know, they show up with, like, the CEO of the company who has to play in the game. Uh, the COO, who was also a character in the movie we never identified or created yet, or the story. And then, like, James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook, and then I don't know who the third player would be. Like, whichever players get the Warriors fans the most uh, going, uh, definitely those two. I mean, personally, I like Joel. Uh, personally, I like to see Joel Embiid in, in there because uh, I think he just has a very high, like long-term uh, high side, and he's pretty funny. Uh, but you could have LeBron; that would be star power. You could even have MJ. Maybe they can have a bench, and they have like LeBron and MJ, and Joel Embiid. Uh, Maybe Steph, uh, I guess we could get, for, for for our team, we could get Ryan Coogler. I don't know if he plays basketball. Maybe he'd want to make, I don't think he'd want to make this movie either, but uh, since he's one of the most successful directors in the history of the world, uh, so maybe not. But we could get, uh, uh, but I guess we'd have like uh, Marshawn Lynch and uh, Damian Lillard on the team. Um, maybe Tom Hanks would make an appearance. Uh, maybe another thing I was thinking is like, uh, maybe Rick Moranis isn't there for this. He's gone. So they haven't been able to vote or something or the, uh, I don't know. We, we could figure that out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Belt. Uh, also I'd like to see something with the Tribune Tower, like, uh, maybe Avery and Claude from 99PI and, uh, Claude Neon are up there. Uh, maybe they're doing a game, like a play-by-play commentary. Uh, so, the, so okay, so there's the big game. And, of course, I don't know what happens in the game, but, like, the you know, the, the team, the, the Monopoly team, uh, uh, Team Tower, or whatever you want to call them, they end up winning. Or maybe they almost win. Or maybe it's like some sort of, I think we have to have a banana cream pie Seltzer battle, of course. And then maybe I would think that another good way to finish it is like uh, that Rick, who's been down, maybe Dr. Mars has invented an actual, like, so last, there's like the clock's ticking down. They've legally somehow in the rules had a huge banana cream pie fight so that no one could get to the basket anymore. Like, because they said, oh, well, we, we, yeah, of course we have James Harden and we, there are no rules, uh, or something. And so they said, fine, we're going to have a giant banana cream pie fight. They're up and, uh, or it's a tie game. And then there's a seltzer fight at the same time. And then Rick Moranis comes uh, and, and he's down. And they say, Rick, we need you. We can't. And then uh, Roman, Dr. Mars, uh, says, I've finally perfected uh, propellant, the propellants, you know, the, the, for a new way to power scooters uh, to get on your nerves and ride around. Uh, but I think it'll work for you, Rick. Uh, and he throws the seltzer bottle to Rick Moranis. And Rick Moranis, you know, grabs the ball that was in the air going to the basket, but not on its way down to win uh, for the other team. And he grabs it, launches himself with the seltzer. Maybe he already did. And, of course, dunks the ball. Uh, Timer expires. Everyone cheers. Then there's even more pie fighting or something. 
And then there's that moment in, in almost every imaginary pie fight I've imagined where everybody starts to lock eyes because they're overcome in the moment. Uh, the moment the heady scent of banana cream pie has consumed them. The physical joy of uh, pressing down on a, a silver stainless steel lever and launching seltzer. Uh, it, you know, it's it sort of fired them up uh, and everyone's like exhausted from uh, physical exertion of pie throwing and basketball and laughing. And people just start to put their arms around each other, laughing. And that's it. Then the um, billionaire says, you know what? Uh, is, you know, sign me up for uh, giving all my money to everybody that needs it. Uh, and let's do this thing. Uh, I've, never, I've never felt more alive. And I guess that would, that would be how it would end. I mean, but then I, I think... Uh, I think even uh, my belt has drifted off here. It was a challenge, uh, putting this challenge going to sleep, uh, walking through uh, Oakland, California, beautiful downtown Oakland, California. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody's resting. I want to thank everybody at 99PI, Roman Mars, uh, Radiotopia, PRX, uh, all my friends there. And everybody at Night Vale Presents, I want to thank Sears because uh, without Sears, I wouldn't have had you get, I probably wouldn't have a podcast, to be honest. And JCPenney, whoever made that Tumblr or blog about sad JCPenney's or whatever it was called, I can't remember. Uh, Wikipedia, uh, Dan Barry at the New York Times, uh, all resting together. Uh, Larry, Moe, Shemp, uh, Curly Sue, uh, Curly, uh, Laurel, Hardy, uh, Ryan, C, uh, Dame, uh, Steph, Marshawn, uh, Russell, LeBron, Michael J., uh, James Harden, and did I have any other? Oh, Joel, of course, Joel. You're, I'm tucking you in the most because you're just a cute. You, you know, I know you don't want to hear this, but you're, you're like your uh, your fierceness is the cutest in the NBA. So let me tuck you in here with these uh, special, and I'm only tuck you in too. I forgot you were here too. Let me tuck my shirt into you, my belt. Uh, but everyone else, uh, you know, get comfy. The scent of uh, banana cream pies on the air. It's ba- It's that warm baking scent. Uh, you're calm. You're settled, uh, just like you were in that. Uh, your muscles now are relaxed as you uh, sink uh, deeper and deeper into sleep with that, you know, calm, placid look on your face. Uh, and you could see again a slow motion of Rick Moranis dunking. You could see that he has leg warmers on or those striped socks pulled up high, headbands, wristbands. And, uh, of course, he's propelled by a, a ultra-powerful bottle of seltzer. And good night. Uh, I want to say thanks, thanks, you know, for some uh, support on PayPal. I want to thank uh, Sasha and uh, Sherry and uh, uh, for, for, for supporting the show on uh, PayPal. And over on Venmo, I want to thank Anya, who, who hopefully made it uh, through the finals, and uh, Joan uh, for supporting the show on Venmo. And then I want to thank everybody who reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, City View 11, who said, very effective and fun. I would greatly recommend this podcast. Uh, if your mind is racing and not allowing you to sleep, the perfect podcast to listen to. You just relax and listen to Scooter's calming voice, even when I could fall asleep just fine. Uh, this is a pleasant way to fall asleep. It might take a few tries, but it's worth it. Uh, and then Anti-Matters, uh, another podcast, I guess. I uh, love it. Uh, if I'll sleep uh, every night, this podcast, I have no idea what he's talking about. 
Uh, E.L. Malloy says, helps a veteran in my life. I haven't listened to many of these, but I know they're bound to become a regular in my home. My partner is a veteran. And these are the kind of ones that are really touching. Uh, my partner's a veteran after being home for five years now. It still deals, deals with a lot. And I discovered this podcast a few nights ago. It's definitely helped uh, put them to sleep faster and more peacefully. Uh, thanks, Scooter. I also want to thank uh, 72EMCD, who says uh, they deal with a lot, and this is a one non-prescription thing that allows them to sleep consistently. Thanks, Scoots. Thank you. Uh, Dog Mom uh, says without, it would be tough to sleep without sleep with me. And Nullity says uh, that kind of rhymes. It makes me want, like, want to sing like a, uh, like a Will Smith song or something when I say Nullity. I don't know why. Uh, can't sleep without it in my sleep phones. Uh, uh, not only just at work, but at nap time at lunch. Uh, so this is a few people I uh, wanted to thank. Thank you so much. If you want to review the show on Apple Podcasts, uh, just open it up in your app uh, and search for Sleep With Me or on iTunes on your desktop. Uh, thanks, everybody, and good night.